Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Geo and Joey show. Joey, how are you doing today? Better than I deserve. Amen, brother. Hey, look, we're going to continue doing our series on the book of Romans, and we left off in verse 23. However, I want to give the audience a recap of what we were doing and show you the sequence that happens in verses 21 through 23. They knew God, the Bible says. They did not honor God or give him thanks. They become speculative about their origins. Their hearts become darkened. Professing to be wise, they become fools and end up worshiping the creatures instead of the creator. And we see that in society today where Christianity is not being replaced by secularism. It's being replaced by some pagan cults. And we see that in different episodes that we have done. What do you recall from our first discussion before we move forward today? The biggest takeaway, I mean, really from all of Romans, but that I took away from our study last time was the results of turning away from God and taking our attention away from that. Like often we think that the result is going to be enlightenment or whatever, but it's not, right? We see clearly now in hindsight, right? What do they say? Hindsight's 2020, that that hasn't been the case. And so I just feel like that was my main takeaways. When we take our eyes off God, right? Things kind of start to go awry. Yep. And what we're going to see now in the, as we continue in chapter one, is that there is a sequence that takes place. In verses 16 and 17, the gospel is revealed passively, we stated, meaning that it's shown through your faith and my faith. As our faith increases, we see the power in the gospel to transform lives. In the second part, where he talked about the wrath of God, we also saw that it was passive as well, meaning that God is not punishing people directly. He's not showing up and punishing people directly. However, when people violate nature, if you get drunk, if you run a red light and kill somebody, the consequences of that is considered the wrath of God, and you might end up in jail and in prison for that kind of behavior. So when we go against natural law, the bad consequences of that equals, according to Romans, the wrath of God. But all that was passive. What we're going to see now is this interplay between the word exchanged and God gave them up. So three times we'll look at the Bible verse. It's three times he uses the word exchanged, that man exchanged the glory of God, therefore God gave them up. And you like talking about how God is not a cosmic rapist, right? That love force equals rape. Elaborate on that and how God would naturally give somebody up if they don't want them. Yeah, well, I think of a parent with an adult child. And this adult child's maybe doing all sorts of making less than ideal life choices, <laughs> right? Drinking and carrying on and gallivanting around. Now, the parent has two choices, right? This is an adult, right? So this isn't a child that, you know, is subject to their more direct control. They have two choices. A, they can say, listen, I love my child. And so I'm going to beat him on the back of the head, knock him out, drug him, do whatever I got to do, get him to the basement, lock him up and tie him to a chair. Then I don't have to worry about him dying from an overdose or getting some girl pregnant or whatever. And he won't do any of those bad things and it'll be great. That's one option. I hope 
that the audience sees some issues with that. And then the other option is, listen, you pray for the person, you let them know that you're always there for them, but ultimately you got to let them make their own decisions and suffer the consequences. They get arrested for doing something stupid. Maybe don't bail them out that first night. In other words, you let them bear the consequences of their actions. And it may be hard for the parent to do, but ultimately that's the most loving thing. Yes, because ultimately you have to respect the free will decisions of individuals. Now, there are consequences to your free will decisions, even in God's love. He loves everybody. He gave his son for everybody. But ultimately, you are to make the choice whether you want him in your life or not. So let me go here to scripture and show the first use of the word exchange. So here you see in the Bible, in verse 23, it says, And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling things. The beauty of this, for those who may understand a little biblical Greek, is that the word exchange now becomes active in the Greek. They are consciously doing this. They are consciously changing the glory of God into things that are not God. And so this is the first phrase we see of the word exchange. Well, if you go to verse 24, it, then God follows it up. Okay, you're going to do that. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. So in response to them saying, we don't want you, God, the Bible says that God honors that request. And by the way, this becomes active as well. God gave them over, active tense, whereas the gospel was passive and the wrath was passive. Here, God is active, giving them up. To what? What is he giving up to? To the bent of their heart, to the desires of their hearts. I just think this is where we would depart from our more Calvinist-leaning brothers and sisters, right? Who they would basically say, they were like, listen, everything that happens is a result of the will of God, right? In other words, God always gets what he wants because he's sovereign. Well, yes, I believe God is sovereign, but I believe in his sovereignty, he created a world, right, that we see here, right? Where, yes, you still have the wants of your heart, and he'll allow you to have those, but he's not going to, he's not going to change the rules to avoid the consequences. So in other words, I feel like a Calvinist would say no, and they have to explain away all the evil things that we see in our society. They have to say like, oh, this is because God willed, right? God's wrath that we're talking about here, God's wrath is being played out actively against these people, but it's not, right? It's God's wrath is simply that he is letting us experience the consequences of our own action, which means, and this is my view theologically, is that God sometimes doesn't get what he actually wants because of the way he set up the world. I agree. And you pointed out the word society, and we're starting to see that. This past week, these past two weeks, we've seen a lot of mob teen riots in Chicago, where they're destroying Walmarts and Targets. And the Bible verse, as we saw it, talked about that God gave them over to the in the lust of their hearts. 
And it's not, and we'll see here more what it's talking about theologically in the verse, but God gave them over. In other words, so these people are following their desires, and we see it in society. Things that 5, 10, 20 years ago, the trans movement, the disobedience for authority. I saw a video a couple of days ago of a little three to four or five-year-old cursing out police at that age, kicking police. I'm surprised the police didn't smack him upside his head and send him to his mother. It's just man has no restraint. But we've been warned about this in prophecy, haven't we? We absolutely have. And honestly, I think an aspect of this in our society that, that, is, that should be commented on is the role of pornography in our society, right? So when it says God gave them over to their lusts, when we think about our society, obviously <laughs> the norms of what is acceptable have changed dramatically. But if you think about it, and I was actually just listening to the Michael Knowles show recently where he was talking about apparently, and he didn't want to get in too many details himself because he's like, I don't even want to know some of this. But from what he shared, apparently that there's a subgroup on Reddit, which talks about how apparently there's this certain kind of pornography that people watch it and high percentages of these people wind up with gender confusion. And he was just talking about how so much of the things in our society that we think like, oh, this is the issue. The root issue actually goes over to the fact that we have become a society that, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, but we've become a society that we, we indulge our every perverted desire and we indulge that. And we're seeing the results. We did a reaction to Luis Perry and Michaela Peterson on the sexual revolution a while ago. And I think about what Luis writes in her book, The Case Against the Sexual Revolution, where you have girls who are increasingly saying that they're okay with their partner having some form of violence against them because they think it shows, right, that they're wanted, that they're loved. Well, that's a result of a society that has accepted the normalization of pornography. And we're seeing it's a result, right? In other words, God has left America up to the consequences of her actions and of her lusts, and we're seeing that. And it's devastating. Yes, and prophecy tells us that towards the last days, of which Romans is pointing towards, that God is going to remove his spirit from earth. And we see the lust of the flesh, and it's funny you mentioned pornography, because it talks about the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies will be dishonored among them. We see cities like San Francisco, drugs all over the place. We see the devastation of drugs. In fact, in the New York Post, we're recording this on April 25th, in the New York Post article, there was an article of a woman claiming that she is a Christian porn artist. And that God had revealed to her that in expressing her sexuality, she can minister for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he revealed something to her, but I think it wasn't Jesus. Elaborate on that. You and I know the inside of that. Well, one thing that we know is going to happen in the last days is spiritualism will increase. And I maybe we'll do a whole 
this isn't the topic of this podcast. Maybe we'll do another one on that. But when I hear you say someone revealed to her that this thing, well, what does the Bible say? By their fruits, you will know them. Sorry, but pornography, that's, that's a bad fruit, sister. Yeah, I have no doubt that someone revealed something to her. And maybe that they even claimed to be God or whatever, but it, it wasn't God. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the God of the Bible, that's for sure. Especially when we talk about here that God gives them up to the desires of their hearts and to dishonor themselves among themselves. Look what it continues to say. So God gave them up and their response, instead of repenting here in scripture, the reason, look, for they exchange the truth of God for a lie. Now, this translation is the New American Standard Bible. But if you look at the New King James Bible, it's actually they exchange the truth of God for the lie. And I don't want to bust out the Greek here, but the Greek is the lie, a definite article. And I'll get into that here in a bit. But here's what they did. They end up worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator. It all goes back down to worship. And so we see two exchanges. We see the exchange and they worship. So God gives them over to their lust and they exchange the truth for the lie. And the ultimate truth is not just doctrinal truth. The ultimate truth is a relationship with Jesus Christ. We see here that the central tenant issue so far is that it's worship. And we're not talking about worship at church, but if who are you honoring? And they refuse to honor God and society begins to degrade. Let's keep going here. It says, for this reason, right? After the second exchange, for this reason, they don't want to honor God, the creator. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For the women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. And the same also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their era. I know we talked about this in another one, but we've seen the increase in, again, we're talking about LGBT specifically things, what's being discussed here, but I think it can be expanded to sexual immorality in general. I remember yes. we were talking about in J.D. Unwa's um, work, where he was obviously coming at it from a different angle than us, but what we see, it's not just, right, and I feel like sometimes as Christians, we can put an outsized role on certain sins. To, and I think sometimes it's a coping strategy to not deal with sins that we may be more prone to. But it is not just, right? So when it says there, and in this way, men abandoned their natural function of a woman and burned in their desire towards one another. That's obviously talking about homosexuality. But also, what about men who are straight, but who think it's perfectly fine to have 10 different baby mamas and to treat women as nothing more than sex objects, right? That's also against the God-ordained natural use of the love between a man and a woman, right? So in other words, and we see that all over the place, right? We see the increase, obviously, in LGBT identification. I think it's something like I read just recently, 7% of U.S. adults and 20% of Gen Z uh, youth 
identify as LGBTQ. But I mean, even before that, right, the, long before the increase in LGBT identification, we saw an increase in premarital sexual relations and infidelity and adultery. And I'm glad you bring up that point because sin begins with a slight deviation of the norm. So for all of society, it was, as J.D. Unwin pointed out, the nuclear family, man and a woman, protecting that right. And then it started with men being slight discretions and then no fault divorce. And now men, like you said, having 10 babies, mamas and thinking that being a player is the right thing, but it's self-destructive because even the Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians, the sexual sins are different. People like to say that all sins are the same. Yes, the wages of sin is death and any sin will get you destroyed if it's unrepentant, but certain sins sear your conscience quicker than others. And not only that, the Bible tells us that sexual sin is against the body. And we see that. Another point I want to bring out by bringing out the text again is that it said men with men committing indecent acts, because there are many people who support the LGBTQ agenda saying, no, this is talking about men abusing little boys. No, Paul is clear. This is men with men consulting adults committing acts that are not part of nature. And, and we see that this is not something that God ordained, but when he removes his spirit because we don't want him in our lives, we see the degradation of society. And as all this gender dysphoria continues to increase, it's because we see more and more, prophetically speaking, the spirit of God being withdrawn as he prepares for his second coming. So I think of another society that was about as debauched as ours, it's so debauched that God actually wanted to destroy them, planning on destroying them. And he sends a reluctant prophet named Jonah to the city of Nineveh. This city, I mean, historians have talked about it. It was, it was, a, pretty, it was a pretty corrupt, um, immoral place. And uh, God sends Jonah. And jo he doesn't, Jonah doesn't want to go because he has some racist views and some views of... Uh, ethnic uh, supremacy. And he's like, I don't want these people to be saved. He's like, I don't want to preach to them because if they repent, right, would God really save these people? But ultimately, well, obviously you all know the story, but he winds up in the belly of a fish and ultimately he ends up in Nineveh and he preaches to them. And the city, starting with the leaders, they repent and they turn and God spares them. And so ultimately, I believe Jesus is going to come. And so ultimately the world isn't going to be saved. But Plenty of people in the world and in this society can and will be. And so it's like, that's what I would focus on too here is like, yes, God is giving over society and the world to his wrath, right? In that he's withdrawing his presence, but his presence will always be there for those that seek it. And so I think that's just something important to remember. I concur a hundred percent. I want to finish this though because I do like ending on a positive note, but I do want to continue this exchange that we see here. I want to continue this and finish this here. You see in verse 26, it says, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for the women. And there's that word, exchange a natural function. 
So after that usage of the word exchange, verse 28, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to deprive mind to do those things which are not proper. And if you look at the sins after that, it's a microcosm of society today, filled with unrighteousness, with wicked, greed, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, haters of God. And you keep going here, but I want to read verse 32. It says, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. And that's the point I want to bring out, is that we have too many Pied Pipers today leading gullible youth down this path of destruction, which they know what they're doing. They're not innocent. And I think of pervs like Jeffrey Marsh. They know what they're doing. And they are worthy, the Bible says, when God comes, Not we're not calling people to arms now, that when God comes, the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 1 is a microcosm of what we're seeing in society today. I really like this quote by Andrew Clavin, um, where he says, The generation that was trained up to be ignorant of why the West was great train the generation of ignoramuses who train the complete morons who are training you. And what I, the reason why that came to mind is because exactly what you're saying is the youth are being trained that the number one thing they can do is just, they don't need God, right? The number one thing they do is they're fulfilling their true authentic selves, whether that be sexually, whether that be, you know, maybe expanding their mind, right? With psychedelics or, you know, just filling their minds with just the, um, the passing pleasures of this world rather than focusing on the true, the good, and the beautiful, right? Which ultimately find its, its fulfillment in God. Um, and we think like, no, we're smart enough. We can do that. And so it's like, how many of these young people are being led astray? Yes, it is. And we see here, there's an interplay. There are people on both sides of the aisle the good side and the bad side, who think for themselves. And then there are the masses who are being persuaded either by the thinkers on the left or the thinkers on the right, the thinkers on the good side or the thinkers on the evil side. And what Joey and I are trying to appeal is study these things out for yourself. Be a thinker. Don't be a follower. And I want to get back to that phrase, a lie. And I have the New King James Version on here. In verse 25, where you see it here, it says, for they exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And I want us to go to 2 Thessalonians. Here's why. Because in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, once again, there is this notion of, of truth and error, truth and lie. And it's once again talking about prophetic time, of things that is going to happen as the world gets closer to the second coming of God. And listen to what it says here. It says, verse 11, And for this reason, God will send strong delusion that they should believe the lie. And now, for somebody who's not biblically initiated, why is God sending strong delusion? Well, in the Bible, God is credited with that which he allows. But nevertheless, 
for those who may not know the Bible, God would rather you be a Christian that's on fire or a sinner that is completely cold. It's what he has the biggest issue with is people who claim to be truthful or claim to be Christian and are not really living the life, who are hypocrites. Because a sinner who is completely out there, which is why I don't wish any harm on any LGBT trans person. What I wish for them is to find a faith-saving relationship with Jesus and to be converted to the truth. Now, this strong delusion that the Bible talks about, when you tie it to Romans, where we saw the first uh, use of the phrase, the lie, is because God is handing people over to the desires of their hearts. What comes to my mind when you're speaking, right, this big lie, is Christ's words through John the Revelator in Revelation chapter 3 and stuff and onward when he's talking, he's going through the time periods of the Christian church. And when he talks about the church at the end times, which is called Laodicea, he says, you thought you were rich and full of good works and like all these positive things. You know nothing. You're wretched, poor, miserable, blind, and naked. He doesn't say that to the world. He says that to the church. And I feel like the lie that they believed there was that their own self-sufficiency was enough. And I feel like, what if that's what God is giving the church over? Because we're seeing this confusion. You alluded to it before. There's people who are trying to say that the Bible doesn't really teach against homosexuality or sexual immorality, or it's, you know, they're leading young people in false ways, right? In other words, and what if that's what God's giving over aspects of the church to is our own self-righteousness, right? In other words, true righteousness, right? The message of the gospel is that we can be changed but if we don't want to do it, right, if we're going to say, hey, God, I don't need your son, right? I don't need his sacrifice. God's like, okay, right? I'm going to give you up to that spirit. You brought up perhaps giving up the church to unrighteousness. In verse 29, back in Romans 1, 29, it says, being filled with all unrighteousness. We know that God's pure church, and I'm talking about what I call the invisible remnant, those who will be pure of all denominations, who will be who will follow the lamb wherever he goes and they will love not their lives even when faced with death that's revelation 12:11 those pure people they're never going to be unrighteous right because they are depending on the blood of Jesus Christ but there's a whole bunch of hypocrites in the church the wheat and the tares grow together and so when you get this combination that's why many people are disillusioned with the church and the church doesn't do anybody any favors when they lower the standard that is set forth, not by man, but by God and his word. I think we're going to save, because you alluded to this, and you didn't know where I was going with this, but we're going to save the third usage of the phrase, the lie, for a next episode that leads us down to explaining spiritualism. Because look, a lie and the lie are two different things. Any of you who know English grammar, right? A lie could be any lie, but the lie is a definite article. It has a specific application. There is the lie and it deals with spiritualism. Mind you, what's on the rise? Christianity is being replaced with what? Paganism, which is spiritualism. Joey, as we wrap this up, 
give us a summary and then give us your final parting words before I have something to say. Yeah. So I think my biggest takeaway from our discussion today, right, is that is, is on the wrath of God, right? In other words, a lot of people have pictures of the wrath of God, right? <laughs> Dante's Inferno has not done good things to that picture, right? But we have this idea that God's wrath is this active, like vindictive, I'm going to get you. But what I really took away from this conversation here from Romans is that God's wrath is more his withdrawal to leave us to the consequences of our own actions. Kind of like that parent who is allowing their adult child to suffer the consequences of their own actions in the hope that maybe they learn. So that's what I took away from that. My final thought would be, again, just stick close to Jesus, right? Know his word, right? And don't think that we can exchange, right, the truth for a lie ever. Always be a passionate pursuer of the true, the good, and the beautiful. If you do that, you will wind up with God. Amen. And even if you end up beheaded like John the Baptist, we are promised a home in glory. And what I like about this Romans chapter, because Romans is my favorite book of the Bible, is that it, it really is appealing and talking to society today. And like you, the wrath of God really stood out to me. And people say, why, why the wrath of God? It's because he has given it to us honest, that it is our own consequences. If you violate gravity, you're going to fall and get smacked. God didn't do that. You're violating gravity. If you drink yourself into a stupor and you end up with some liver disease, you did that. God didn't. But the reason that happens is because we're violating the laws that God has given us. And when we violate God's laws, we end up in depravity. And we're starting to see it today more and more when people do not even know what a woman is. When people don't even know what sexuality, true sexuality is, and when people are beginning to go after our children, and that is the consequences of not worshiping the creator and worshiping the creature. So my appeal to the audience is study these things out. See Romans chapter one, know that God loves you, that God wants the best for you. And when you violate his principles, then those consequences are what the Bible calls the wrath of God. But I'll leave you with this note. The ultimate wrath of God fell on his son, Jesus Christ. And it fell on him first so that it would never have to fall on you if you believe in him. Until next time, be blessed. I hope this was a blessing and thank you.